0: But I'm excited this weekend, 4th of July. Some people started really early last night or this morning, right? You get some booms, a little disruption in your sleep, but, I mean, we have a lot to celebrate. We have a lot to celebrate, and as I was thinking about this, um, the picture that came to my mind, you know, sometimes when you get a new product or something, how many of you here would uh, admit that, or... Actually, read the user's manual. I see a few men. Okay, way to go, way to go. I mean, those user manuals are not very exciting. But if you were to look at the product manual and you were to look at the warranty card, many times for a product, it says if you are to use it in a way other than it was intended to be used, the warranty's voided. Right? Anybody ever had a product you used? The wrong way right there's a story of a lady whose whose neighbor a grandma down the road she would see her every time she was mowing the lawn afterwards using a vacuum cleaner to clean up the right warranty voided warranty voided but I I think this is why this is where this comes into mind this morning is that uh, freedom has a purpose God has a purpose in freedom for us. How many believe that this morning? And that purpose, and many, many times people lose sight of the purpose that God has in freedom for us as believers in Jesus Christ. And we live in a nation that has lost sight of what freedom means. Freedom has become something other than it was intended to be. And so this morning I want to speak to you along those lines that there is a, a right purpose and intent for freedom that God gave us. And as we look and we reflect on this nation, I'm thankful this morning that we can be here and worship in freedom and liberty. Amen. I'm thankful that over the past court the course of the past 2 weeks, we've seen some decisions that are bringing us back to the original intent of this constitution. Now, Understand, you may not agree with politics or whatever that, but, but see, God had an, an intention when he founded this nation, and he moved upon the hearts of men and women who feared him, and their desire when they came here, the original purpose, I don't care what your history professor tells you this morning, their desire when they came here was to serve and worship God. That was the intention, the foundation of this nation, and there are forces at work in this nation to destroy the Judeo-Christian foundation upon which we were founded. There are forces here to lie and distort history and tell you a different story about those brave men and women who laid down their fortunes, their lives to give us this freedom today. And the other night I was almost in tears as I began to read some quotes of these founders. Now, were they perfect? No, they're fallible humans like we are. But I believe God moved on them supernaturally. He had a a, a divine intention and purpose in this nation to be accomplished. And I read some of these quotes, one from John Adams. He says, you will never know how much it has cost my generation to preserve your freedom. I hope you will make a good use of it. You see, there were 56 people who signed that Declaration of Independence. Many of them were wealthy. Many of them had a good, good life. But they were signing rebellion to the king. And their lives and their fortune and everything went with it. And they knew that. They knew that what we are sacrificing this moment is not for us, but for generations to come. Nine of them died in the Revolutionary War. Many of them lost their families, their homes, their their everything. They lost, they paid a price for that freedom. And that's why John Adams said this. He said, you'll never understand the price. And so when they distort history and they change the story, they miss his story in the midst of it. His story. Because God has a story. You see, there was a great awakening that, that began to shake America in the early 1700s and that began to open the pathway to freedom and liberty. People began to understand biblical freedom. Come on. They began to understand and they said this isn't the way. Tyranny is not God's way. Maybe maybe there's another way to do government and and, and how we how we build a nation. Again, wasn't perfect, but it was one of the be- it was the best ever. It's still lasting because it was divinely inspired. John Adams also said this. He said, our Constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. Listen to that. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. This is Noah Webster. He says this. The Christian religion in its purity is the basis or rather the source of all genuine freedom in government. Listen to that can you imagine hearing that from a politician today i i blows my mind and i am persuaded that no civil government of republican form can exist and be durable in which the principles of that religion have not a controlling influence so you see they want to say the system's broken but the system's being used in a way it was not intended to be used when an immoral and, and uneducated society was it wasn't fit for them. It was fit for a Christian, God-fearing people who would follow the Lord and serve Him and worship Him and live under moral moral law. But the moment freedom became something else, it became about what I want to do, what I want to be, to live how I want to live, irrespective of whether or not it is within the With with according with his moral law Then it changed Freedom became something else I can just do what I want to do when we say when we hear someone say I'm free We got to go. What does that mean to you? I'm free, you know, I said I'm free when I got my license come on (laughs) And I began to drive and I began to get access to all these different places But you know what I was I was not serving God. So eventually I began to use that freedom in a bad way I thought I was free when I got out of my parents' home and got out of the, the rules and regulations of their household and got, went to college. And so I got to do whatever I wanted to do. At least I thought I did. But here's the thing. You see, you think we are, you think we are running the show, but the reality is you're going to serve somebody. You're going to serve somebody. William Penn said this. He goes, those who don't serve God will serve tyrants. And let me tell you, the devil is a tyrant. Yes, yes. See, the wages of sin is death, and I learned that the hard way. It costs, it's costly to live outside of God's grace. barriers and grace. Amen. And so this morning I want to talk to you about what is freedom about. It's free to serve. Free to serve. So y'all. You'll have to follow me. I don't have any slides because we don't have that projector. We're going to pray for that. Amen? (laughs) Get that back. But God can still speak to us. Thank God for that. Freedom is not free. It was purchased and won for us at a great cost. But see, I don't know how much longer we have to live in a free nation. But I know this. But as individuals, we can live in the freedom of Christ irrespective of the situation in our politics in our nation. You see, there's Christians in places who don't have the liberties we have all over this world who are, who are meeting and worshiping and gathering together this morning at the risk of their lives. But they're free on the inside. Come on. Nobody can take that liberty from them. You could throw them in prison and they're still free because they have Christ. And he says, he whom the sun sets free is free indeed. It's not free. It comes at a great cost. And sometimes as we're celebrating the national freedom and the independence, right? And let me just say this. God's freedom is not for you to be independent. It's great for a nation. It does not work for individuals. We are meant to be fully, 100% dependent on him. So as a nation celebrates independence, may we return to being a, a nation that's dependent on him. May we return as individuals to being those who are fully dependent on him. Because we are not fit to run our own lives. I got news. We're terrible at it. We're a train wreck. Come on, let's just be honest. If you haven't learned that yet, let me, let me just give you that lesson. Before. I hope you don't have to learn it the hard way. There's a better way than the school of hard knocks. It's right here. Come on. Everything pertaining to life and godliness is in this word. See, I don't have to go learn it the hard way. God's already given me wisdom and knowledge and understanding. If I get in his word and get in his presence and he speaks to me. Oh, thank God for that. All right. Now it's the message. All right. Galatians 5, 13 and 14. Are you with me? For you were called to Freedom brethren turn to somebody and say you were called to freedom only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh but through love serve one another through love serve one another for the whole law is fulfilled in one word in this statement you shall love your neighbor as yourself now a little background here in Galatians chapter 5 Paul is exhorted earlier in chapter 5, if you go up to verse 1, he says, It was for, what? Freedom that Christ set you free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to the yoke of slavery. Now see, what's the situation in Galatia? This was a church that had started really well. Paul says that he came and he said, Before you whom Christ, I presented Christ crucified so clearly they had started well but they had gotten off in the flesh because Judaizers had come in and said faith in Christ is not enough we got to add some we got to add some requirements to your salvation you got to follow the law of Moses and you got to be circumcised and they're like what come on these are adults that's not a fun requirement I'll just leave it at that You've got to be circumcised, and all these laws are being added. And so and he says, having begun in the Spirit, are you now being perfected in the flesh? Right, and that is the picture of the Christian life. Many times we start really well, and then we get off course because the flesh takes over. So that was their situation, and, he, and Paul's here addressing it. He says, they brought to you a gospel, another gospel, which is not the gospel. It's something different. And this has, had brought a crisis to the point that they had to meet in Jerusalem and decide, well, what are the requirements for these Gentiles who are being saved? Because there's revival happening. I mean, God's pouring out his spirit on them. How should they be? They should, and they added just a few simple ones, which I think were good. <laughs> Abstain from sexual immorality and don't eat meat, sacrificed to idols, you know, some things. But simple because that's how God's gospel is it's simple and so they had gotten off course they were doing their own thing and the, and and this was causing some issues and we think and, and, and Paul's here to address it to remind them and he's exhorted them in chapter 4 about Two women: the free woman and the bond woman. You remember Abraham had a, had a Hagar, and he has a relationship with Hagar, and he's getting impatient for the promise of God, and so he decides to have the promised son through Hagar, the bond woman, and that that was Ishmael. But then God eventually brought the promise in their late age, beyond the time of br- bearing children, and He brings Ab- Isaac, the pr- the child of promise, the child of the free woman. And so he says, this is a metaphor, the free woman and the bond woman. You weren't born of the bond woman. You were born of the free woman. You aren't from Sinai, but you're from, you're from the heavenly Jerusalem. Come on. That's the back when he reminds them. Now, this, your freedom was given to you, but you're going to have to stand in it. You're going to have to keep it. You're going to have to protect it. You're going to have to defend it because the enemy is going to do everything he can to get you out of that place of freedom. And this word stand, fast, is and it It's an expression. It was a military term meaning to hold one's ground. Once we gain ground in our spiritual life, we need to hold fast to it and not allow the enemy wrest it away from us. Did you get that? See you got to know that freedom is yours in Christ and maybe you're here this morning You're not free, but today's the day come on for you to be free But be free as he says You're free free indeed true freedom So three things I want to share from this passage this morning And Number one is the call to freedom Number two is the opportunity of freedom and Number three is the exercise of freedom You see the, he says for you were called to freedom, but what kind of freedom is this? And the vines dictionary in the Greek implies this is this really talks about a liberty and a release from bondage How many are thankful for that this morning from slavery? You see, Romans 6 says we were once slaves to sin, but now we've become slaves to righteousness. But it's a... See, this meant something to those Greeks because they had their own way of slaves being free. The only way a slave could be free is if they were purchased by a god. And see, the way that happened is the master... And the slave couldn't provide their own money, so the master had to pay the money into the temple treasury in the presence of the slave and a document bring, being drawn up containing the words for freedom. No one could enslave... Listen to this. No one could enslave him again as he was the property of the God. That's the picture he gives. See, Jesus shed his blood and he went into the mercy he went to the mercy seat come on and he purchased us you see that price has already been paid the full price of redemption's been paid for us and for freedom is over your life for freedom is over your life and this is no longer mine i'm god's property I belong to Him. I've been bought with a precious price, not gold and silver, but the precious blood of Jesus. That's the purchase price. That's how valuable we are. But we also need to be reminded that we belong to him. We belong to him. Never to be enslaved again. Look, listen to this. You see, you're free when God Christ makes you free. You are free from sin. Romans 6 says, For sin shall not be master over you. You got a master one way or the other. I can attest to you, sin is a terrible master. For you are not under the law, but under grace. Somebody say grace this morning, amen? Grace. Under grace. What's that mean? A.W. Tozer says the Christian liberty is freedom from sin, not freedom to sin. Well, there's been a different gospel out there, see? Free from condemnation that comes from the law of sin and death in Romans 8, 1, 1 and 2, you are now under the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. It's not written on stone tablets. It's now written on the flesh of our heart. Come on. He's put it on the inside, and the Holy Spirit's there bearing testimony and showing you the heart of the law, the moral law. You see, we still fulfill the law. But it's grace that empowers us to do that. It's not of ourselves. It's not something we can do. That bar is too high. We fail in our own efforts. But when the power of the Spirit is working in your life and he's written that law upon your heart, you, you just want to do the right thing. He's changed you from the inside out. You're transformed and you have a desire to do what he pleases. thought you'd get excited about that. All right. Free from the bondage of Satan's rule. How many are thankful for that this morning? Colossians 1.13 says he has transferred us out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his beloved son. Hallelujah. You're under a new authority, new lordship, and it's a beloved son, not a terrible tyrant. So it's in this. He says be free this is what freedom is i didn't know what freedom was till i found jesus i thought i had freedom but i I was leading myself into more and more bondage i didn't make decisions anymore decisions were made for me and that's what happens that's what we're seeing happen in a nation you see when people live outside moral boundaries more masters are required And so we can get all upset about government getting big and all that, but we need to look at the heart of the issue. The heart of the issue is rebellion in our nation. The heart of the issue is immorality. The heart of the issue is sin and corruption and violence in the hearts of men. And you see, government doesn't have the answer, but I'll tell you who does. I'll tell you who does. We have the answer to all those problems, and he's living on the inside. Greater is he who's in me than he who's in the world. Come on. We have the answer. What would you do if someone gave you the cure to cancer today? Would you keep it to yourself, or would you go heal some people? Come on. The very healer lives inside of you. I want you to see this church. Okay, back on track. What is this freedom we're called to? It's not a secular freedom, doing what we want to do when we want to do it. It's not being free to be me. Let me tell you, you're being free to be Christ in you, to be you in Christ. That's a better me. I like, I like me 2.0. Me 1.0 was a hot mess doing my own thing, living my own way. How many are thankful for me too, Dodo? Yes. The new me, the transformed, the new creature in Christ Jesus. This freedom here, his true liberty is living as we should, not as we please it's walking in and fulfilling that high calling. You see, the enemy wants to convince you that you're going to you're going to have joy doing something else. But the greatest fulfillment of joy is walking in the high calling that God's called you to. When you are in the center of his will and his purpose and his plan for your life, it is there's no greater joy. Man, i am just up here this morning, the presence of God in this place this morning, the joy, in the... I'm like, there's no place else on this planet I'd rather be than in the house of God. <laughs> there's something special that happens in here when we come together and we want another and we worship together. God is in the place. His presence, his anointing, his power is in the place. His joy fills our hearts, man. The world doesn't have that. They need it. The call to freedom. You were called to freedom. Out of bondage. You see, there's two major threats to our freedom. One is legalism. And the other is license. See, legalism is when we get into that works-based thinking, when we think it's about what I do. When I'm trying to earn God's favor, when I'm trying to make somehow earn my salvation. And you see, this is we might get it here, but getting it here, this 12-inch drop is 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 significant. Where it gets in our heart and we truly understand the grace of God. There is nothing you could do to earn it. See, everything we do as a Christian is a response to what he's done. It's a response to what he's already done. I'm not trying to earn it. I'm not trying to add to it, but I'm living in loving obedience in response to it. But legalism will destroy you. Legalism. It's raising the bar. It's that outward performance mentality that we've been under so long in our lives and sometimes we just drag that baggage with us into our Christianity and we, we, we want to live up to some standard. we gotta, we got to make the grade. we got to perform. we got to... Are you with me? And we think that we have to earn this thing and see, you, you need to understand the pleasure of God and who you are apart from what you do. He loves you in spite of you. He doesn't love you because you're lovely and perfect. He loves you because he's a God of love. Come on. But he chooses to love you. He chooses to love you. And he loves you with a fatherly affection. Man, my kids mess up and they make me upset and stuff, but I never stop loving them. I get irritated, annoyed, and send them to a room, but I don't stop loving them. God doesn't even get irritated. He's slow to anger. He's full of loving kindness and mercy. I want to be like that, Father. Come on. Call to freedom. Legalism. The other trap is license. See, It's doing what we want, living and saying, oh, see, I can just do whatever I want. I'm once saved, all saved. I I won't even get into that doctrine, but I'll just tell you this. We're called to live holy. And that mentality... That greasy grace mentality comes from a misunderstanding of what the operation of grace in your life what does grace do it is unmerited favor I know these are getting back to basics this morning but bear with me we need reminders amen unmerited favor and Titus 2 11 and 12 you can join me there titus chapter 2 11 and 12 paul says this and it's profound and it's the basis for one of the verses in amazing grace it grace that taught my heart to fear grace my fears relieved how many like that beautiful profound divinely inspired words but this scripture says for the grace of god has appeared bringing salvation to all men Meaning it's available to all men. It's God's will that all should be saved. Not all will be saved, but it's his will that they all should be saved. You see that? It's his will that none should perish. But listen what grace does. Here's the operation of grace. It says, instructing us to what? Deny ungodliness and worldly desires. You see, when grace is operating in your life, It's teaching you holiness. It's teaching you how to live right. Grace is not just covering all all your junk and allowing you to do whatever you please and then just, that's okay. That's not okay. You're sowing and you're going to reap and it's not going to be a good harvest. Come on. That's not a good harvest. But it says when you deny ungodliness, it's teaching us to deny worldly desires, and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in the present age. When grace is operating in your life, you are different than everything else around you. Come on. You are exceptionally called by God. Grace is not for us to sin, but to be sanctified. I'm going to say that again. Grace is not for us to sin, but for us to be sanctified cleansed set apart made right with him amen how many thankful for grace this morning praise god number two the opportunity of freedom he says only do not turn your freedom going back to galatians 5 13 don't turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh here's the question this morning what are we doing with the freedom that has been given to us We need to get a hold of this concept. We're stewards. God's entrusted you with something precious. Freedom. Pastor Sam, we're up here. You do my precious. yeah. <laughs> precious freedom that God gives us and it's cherished and it's guarded and there's, but we have to be stewards and accountable in it, how we use this freedom. You see, Paul first says in Galatians 5.1, don't lose your gospel freedom stand therefore then he says here don't abuse your gospel freedom are you with me still even peter marshall great supreme court justice said may we think of freedom not as the right to do as we please but as the opportunity to do what is right the flesh he speaks of don't use it as an opportunity for the flesh i want you to see some here see God, through Christ, has, made, has delivered us from the penalty of sin, thankful this morning, praise God, but he's delivered us from the power of sin as well. Sin doesn't have to have be your master anymore. It doesn't have to have power over you anymore. But how many know there's still the presence of sin? There's still in us carnal desires, carnal things that are left over from that old life. They're like muscle memory. You know what? You spent mo- so much of your life just being selfish, self-centered, self-gratitude. That's what we were about. Selfie, selfie, selfie. And then we got into our Christian life, and some of that's still left over. Let's just be honest. Some of us are still visiting me, planet. We're still hanging out there occasionally, right? Am I the only one? All right. I'm, I'll be at the altar. All right. But it's like muscle memory. And so these are the things, that's that, that's that flesh that's trying to take opportunity. And it, reading down two more verses, says in Galatians 5.17, For the flesh sets its desire against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. You see, opportunity here is a picture of base of operations. So it's a military picture. Think about when U.S. troops invaded the beaches at Normandy and they lost many lives, but they were able to establish a presence, a base of operations there and begin to get victory in Europe and win back with the Nazis had tried to take it. See, that's a good base of operation, but see, the flesh is trying to get a base of operation in your life. It's trying to secure so it can come against the spirit. Are you with me? It's fighting against the spirit you're in a you're in a war constantly and see sometimes we forget about that war and the flesh is just doing its thing we have to be vigilant against the works of the flesh in us come on if we don't recognize that battle that our spiritual lives can be infiltrated by the flesh you give the flesh an inch it'll take a mile how many know that's true Vigilance. Are we living in sin and making excuses for it? All right, pastor's getting personal this morning. Are we neglecting spiritual disciplines of prayer, being in the word, etc.? Because that vigilance requires that we stay on guard, that we be sober-minded, that we be aware of this battle, that this battle is ever waging in us. And you see, when you feed the spirit, the spirit gets stronger in you and the flesh gets weaker. Come on. And when you feed the flesh, it gets stronger and the spirit is weakened. The power of the spirit, the influence of the spirit in your life is weakened. And so when we sow to the flesh, we'll of the flesh reap corruption. When we sow to the spirit, we will reap what? Life. Life. So sow to the f- Spirit. Amen? Act as, 1 Peter 2.16 says this. You can write this down. I'm trying to hurry. Act as free men and do not use your freedom as a covering for evil, but use it as bond slaves of God. This word bond slave. Do you know that Paul, Peter, James all refer to themselves as bond slaves? The word is dulos. It was the it was the term in the scale of servitude. It was the lowest possible term in the scale of servitude. It was below every other. You see, we live in a world of hierarchy, right? You want to go up the ladder and get bigger and more powerful. But the kingdom is a lowarchy. Stay low. Get low, stay low, and then God can do something. You see, he exalts those who humble themselves but he humbles those who exalt themselves I've been on both those it's better when you just get low when he doesn't have to humble you it's great because that's called humiliation all right when we humble ourselves it's much easier but they were bond slaves and see that's the that's a love slave. that's someone who willingly gives themselves completely to a master completely their whole lives everything they are just like Wafa and Nami given up their lives to go preach the gospel across the other side of the world when we give ourselves up completely to his purpose and his calling whatever that may be you may not be called to do that but you may be called in your workplace in your industry or, or something in your neighborhood whatever it is that God's called you to do we're just going to be completely surrendered and given wholly to him amen That's what it means. Number three is the exercise of freedom. He says, through love, serve one another. Through love, serve one another. And this is what I want to get to this morning. Free to serve. You see, serving one another in community of faith is the truest, purest expression of freedom. In love. Serving one another. Look, we live in a society that is a consumer mindset. We go and we get what we want and we get a product or we don't like it, we go to another product. That's the mindset. The kingdom is a covenant mindset. We enter into covenant relationship with one another. I, I commit in the Lord to care for you, to serve you, to love you, one another with you. You guys got quiet in here. There's a lot of one anothers in the Bible. It's a, it's a verb, one-anothering. It's a new one. <laughs> Pastor Steve Holder uses it. He says, you can't, you can't one another in isolation. It's good to be together. Come on. Make no mistake, you can't serve God. Let me say this. You can't serve God and not serve one another. It's not just you and Jesus. You are part of a family. You're part of the body you're a joint you're needed to supply something in God's body you see you have a place you have a part you have a, you have a calling you have a gift and then he says you will do this through love and that word love is a gopi love it's God's kind of love it's not our kind of love you see we've learned different types of love when we come into the kingdom we've got to learn God's kind of love how he loved us that's how we love one another and that comes with no strings no conditions it's loving freely because i freely received his love independent of merit and now i'm going to love others independent of their merit come on did you follow that they may mistreat you christians are going to mistreat you come on they mistreated jesus are we better no but we're going to love and serve you know, you know what you want know to protect you from bitterness you serve and you love one another You serve the person that hurts you you love that person in spite of what they did to you Loving one another No strings See it's possible to serve one another without God's kind of love. In, in 1 Corinthians 3 3 He says if I give all my possessions to feed the poor And if I surrender my body to be burned, but do not have love it what it profits me nothing we're but a clanging symbol when we do it without love so see it's empowered by and compelled by the love of God you've experienced it and now you live it and you share it you see we're not just free to serve we are free to reflect the image of God he is a giver and he's the giver of every good and precious gift That's that's who our God, our Father is. And Jesus, who is the exact image and representation of the Father, came and he shows us what that is. He washes the feet of his disciples, one of them being his betrayer, knowing it. And he says, follow this example. See, he knew who who he was, where he came from, where he was going and what he had, and he went and he served. That's what he said. He had full comfort in his identity and purpose and where he was going. And in that, he became a servant. The greatest example. Finally, in Philippians 2, I'm almost done, I promise. Do nothing. Verse, 7, verse 3, Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind regard what one another as more important than yourselves. Woo. I could spend the rest of my life just trying to do that. Man, we got... Me is so important, and it just screams so loud. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also the interests of others. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be what? Grasped. But he emptied himself, taking the form of a, there it is, bond servant, doulos. And being made in the likeness of men. You see, this, we need to see the significance of this incarnational living. Jesus left the throne, became one of us. He entered into our lives. He experienced what we experience. He was tempted in every way, yet he did not sin. But he knows. He's a high priest who's able to sympathize with what you go through because he himself experienced it. Are you thankful for that? So therefore, we can come boldly to him because he understands. He knows. Incarnational living, he went into our lives. He became one of us. And you see, when you become like Jesus... You go into people's lives. Are you with me this morning? You get out of your selfish, self-centered world and you go, I want to know about you. I was in a, a work training this week and they had this thing called empathy mapping. Empathy mapping and it was like, it's how you create a good product. You gotta understand how people feel and how they experience and what they're going through and who's influencing them. And you know, gotta get into their world. And I'm like, they're they're training this, and I'm having like Holy Spirit revelation. I'm like, woo. That's what you did, Jesus. You came into our world. You be you you experienced what we experience. Yeah. See, when you're not just concerned with your own personal interests, your life will grow. And expand and be stretched and, and you, will, you will be filled with more of God and his compassion as you get into more people's lives. And I don't mean getting up in their business and tracking them on Facebook. Come on. I've been trolling you on Facebook. I saw what you did last weekend. Not Sunday. That's what these Judaizers were doing. Come on. I'm talking about learning. Taking time. My wife asked 20 questions. She wants to know people. I remember when I met her and I saw her do that and I go, ooh, I like that because she really cares about people. It's genuine and sincere. I need to know and be known. I need to one another. And see, this is what serving is about. As we go into this week and we're about to have these ministry team meetings, I'm inviting you. I'm inviting you. That there's something in you God is place, See this next verse. I'm getting ahead of myself. First Peter four, eight through 11, I finish. I promise. Above all, keep fervent in your love. There's a, there are four let I me mean, three one anothers here, just in the first two verses. Above all, keep fervent in your love for. Because love covers a multitude of sins. You see, be fervent, you've got to keep that fire going you got to stoke the the flames of love in your heart for people. And that happens by staying in relationship, being connected, not being isolated from others, not being an island. Because love covers the mold. It said, be hospitable to one another without complaint. This is what it means to serve through love, serve one another. Be hospitable without complaint. Man, they messed up my house. Man, what? Fill in the blank. Verse 10, as each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another. As good stewards of what? The manifold grace of God. Stewardship, this mindset. And then he says, whoever speaks is to do so as one who's speaking the utterances of God. Whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving what? By the strength which God supplies so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Could you come up, uh, Pastor Sam, as we, as we get to a close here? I want you to see something this morning. You've, you've received special gifts, each and every one of you. That's what this verse says. Now, you may, see, may not see yourselves that way. But let me tell you what, you have... You believe God's word that you've received special gifts, but then you're in a discovery process. And sometimes that discovery process looks like you stepping into areas that maybe are uncomfortable. See, Carolyn is an amazing minister to children. But she didn't know that until someone came and prodded her and said, hey, I think you should try out the kids ministry at 18 years old. When she stepped into that, the the gift began to come out. She began to discover that God had put in her something that would bless children, that would bring children to the Lord. Because she stepped into what God called her to be, but she didn't know it. You see, sometimes we go with what we feel and what we think we like or or that. But see, God's puts you; He puts you in uncomfortable places because when you're in an uncomfortable place, then you got to depend on Him. You can't go by your all your knowledge and skills, and you got to go with him. Have you ever wondered why Paul, the Jew of Jews, was called to be an apostle to the Gentiles? Right? He quite often asks you to do something that's totally opposite to who you think you are. But we don't discover it until we begin to step out. so be faithful. don't bury your talent you're free to serve step out discover be dependent see he says he supplies strength Woo! he supplies strength I can't stand up here and do this on my own I need the strength and power of the Holy Spirit to do this trust me in and of myself I don't want to do this but that's where God takes you. He takes you to places on the edge of who you are. And there you discover the greatness of the God in you. The power of him in you. You discover you've been living boring. Because you've been staying in that place of comfort. You discover that way inside of you is way more than you understood. You discover that maybe you've misunderstood freedom. It wasn't freedom to just do whatever you want to do, but it was freedom to be who you've called, He's called you to be, and to function, and to be who is needed in His body. And see, then we begin to embrace the stewardship mindset. See, if you, this word, promise I'm finishing, that's the third time, that's it. manifold grace of God. You see, the grace of God is like a beautiful diamond with so many facets. And when the rays of light hit that diamond, you see new colors. You see new dimensions from different angles. You see, and you begin to see those lights and colors and the beauty of that. And see, you're forever in this life. We have the privilege and the blessing to be discovering the multifaceted grace of God. He's so gracious. But we've underestimated, we've not understood His grace. God wants you to see it, and when you see it, you go, you go, God. You've entrusted me with this beauty, this glory. I don't want to live a life that squanders this opportunity. And I'm reminded this morning of a word Pastor John brought three weeks ago or so. John nine, work while it is day, for the night cometh. Our opportunities before us, church. I feel the Spirit of the Lord stirring in us this morning, stirring gifts, stirring callings. Can you stand to your feet as we close the service? So you're called to freedom. Maybe some of you have been living in a place of bondage. You've been... If you'd be honest, you'd say, I... I've given in into sin or something in my life, and it's taken me into a place where I no longer am master. Well, you never were master. That was the reality. Your thoughts, whatever it may be, maybe it's, you've clicked on some stuff you shouldn't click on, and now it's, it's, kept, it's got you to a place of bondage. I want to tell you this morning, there's liberty. There's freedom. Because when Jesus stood up in Luke four eighteen, he says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He's anointed to me to release the captives, to, to declare freedom to those who are in prison. Come on. So that same Jesus is the same yesterday today and forever he is here this morning to speak freedom in your life whatever it may be maybe you're bound by fear maybe you're bound by an addiction maybe you're bound by something maybe you're watching online and you're hearing this message and you're bound you're in a place you're saying pastor I can't get out of this hole he's here to free you he's here to break every chain he's here to set you free you are called to freedom he whom the son sets free is free indeed you don't have to live in that place anymore. Or maybe you're here this morning, you say, I've given opportunity to the flesh and and it's got this base of operation in my life. I can feel it, I've compromised and, and it's time to get vigilant. It's time to get vigilant. It's time to recognize the battle that I have going on. Or thirdly, you say, Pastor, I've been sitting on the sidelines because I didn't know what my purpose, my calling, my what, how God wanted to use me. But this morning, it's his call of his spirit is here this morning to awaken that inside of you and to begin to bring clarity. For him to say, step out, be strong and courageous for the Lord thy God is with you. Maybe that step is just serving a neighbor maybe that step is stepping into some ministry capacity or just serving as an usher being a smiling face at that door to welcome people as they walk into this church maybe that step is to pray maybe that step whatever that step may be for you there's a one anothering calling this morning and a God God is asking are you going to respond will you step into what I have for you It's scary, but he's with you, he's for you, and he's in you. So I want to invite you to this ultra time of response. If that's you, you need freedom. We want to pray for you. Can I have the elders and the prayer teams come up here and just line up here, and we're just going to open this place for prayer and liberty. How many believe God wants to set people free this morning? And if you're online this morning and you're listening and this word is touching your heart, God's, the Holy Spirit's pulling on your heart. Let's just stretch our hands right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, every person within the sound of our voice. Father, we thank you for the liberty and the freedom that you provide, you give. Jesus, we thank you that chains are being broken of addiction. Chains are being broken, Lord, of bondage, of fear, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for healing. God, there's sickness that have kept people bound. They're like Peter's mother-in-law. They've been a place laid down and unable to function. But Jesus, I see you walking into their house right now. And you're laying hands. You touch, and that fever, that sickness is gone in the name of Jesus. And that resurrection power is quickening their body. Father, we thank you for it in Jesus' name right now that they can get up and they can begin to serve you, God, with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength, no longer incapacitated by sickness and illness and circumstance. God, we thank you for breaking those chains and prison doors opening this morning. In Jesus' name. Don't leave this place without responding. I want to ask you if you need to respond to just the call this morning to serve. This is it right here. This altar's open. Maybe it's a renewed commitment, whatever it is. Remember, we can, he can only keep that which we commit to him. And so there's a commitment, there's a response to his word this morning. If you need healing, you need prayer for any circumstance in your life, you need to just freshly commit your life this morning. We're, we're here to pray with you. We love you. Amen. Hallelujah. Jesus, Jesus. Thank you. I feel a timidity in this place. God's not giving you a spirit of timidity. Come on up here. Come on up here. Don't hesitate. Holy Spirit's moving on your heart. Come up here now. I'm, I'm going to pause here and wait. I want you to miss the moment of response. What is it he's calling you to? She commented it if you it